love. You ought to leave church um, really glad that you came. <laughs> it ought to be one of the friendliest, most welcoming places that you come to. Amen? It ought to be just a place where you get your tank filled up and just get loved on. And so we just endeavor in this house just to, um, just to for people just to walk in. We want them to experience God. But we know that the reality of it is, is they're going to experience God through a vessel like you. And, and so um, God is not here in life form, but he is here in human form. And his spirit lives in us. And because his spirit lives in us, it's able to manifest itself through us to reach the lives of others. Amen. That's a really powerful thing. Sometimes we're waiting for God to touch someone and he's waiting for you to touch them. He's waiting for you to invest your, their lives and you to invest your lives in them. So super excited. Pastor Stephen did make reference um, that we are um, in a series right now called The Time Is Now taught last week on it and then I'm just going to continue in it this morning and just be believing God with us um, that we get all that he has us to get and um, one of the things um, for these next couple weeks that I just want you to grab a hold of if you're writing notes write this word down for yourself unusual courage unusual courage I wrote it down unusual courage let's believe that we can have some unusual courage that God will give us open doors and give us words to speak and um, he'll just provide divine appointments I don't believe anybody that you meet is by an accident, I believe that it's the hand of God on your life. Amen. So let's just pray for ourselves um, that we'll hear the word and that we'll receive it and that we'll not just hear it and receive it, but do something with it. Father God, we're just so grateful. So grateful. Um, I'm grateful this morning and privileged and honored to proclaim the word of God. Um, I yield myself to the spirit of God. I surrender myself to your will and to your word. And Father God, I thank you that the hearers out there, that they're not just hearers only, but they receive your engrafted word. Father God, that it it penetrates their very hearts and it renews our minds and that it gives us an action that produces something that we when we leave this place and we thank you for it in Jesus name and everybody said amen I just want to encourage you this morning as you're receiving the word of God um, I shared this first service just think it bears repeating that you cannot um, get resaved again 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 Amen? That, that, that once you've given your heart to the Lord and you're born again, um, that, that you're sealed in that and that, um, that, you're, that you're born again and that you're going to heaven. But that the, when we teach the word, that the word of God renews our minds. Amen? So it doesn't renew our spirits. Our spirit man is perfect and alive unto God. Amen? And it can't get any more saved. You don't have the ability to get more saved. You do have the ability to renew your mind. And when you renew your mind with the power of the word, that's what produces behavior modification. And behavior modification is what happens when the word of God comes into your thought life. And then your thought life, because it's renewed by the word, changes your outcome. And then the grace of God comes upon you and empowers you to do the work that you've learned in the word. Amen. That's a powerful thing. So it's not about your salvation. It's about the renewing of your mind. Because, you know, sometimes we, we act silly and we do dumb things opposite of the word. And then we think, well, I need to get saved. No, you just need to renew your mind so that your actions fall in line with the word of God. Amen. Amen. Really not a difficult thing. Stop checking on your salvation. Check up on your renewal. Your mind renewal. Amen. Amen. If you're struggling in an area of your life, just put the word on it. Just put the word on it. And as your mind gets renewed to the word and it becomes revelation and it comes from, here's the thing, your spirit and your mind have, they'll work together. Your spirit, man, empowers your mind to get revelation and knowledge and insight and wisdom. It comes from the Holy Spirit. He lives on the inside of you. But it comes 
with knowledge of his word. That's why you can be reading a verse and sometimes it'll come up on you and be like, oh, I never saw that before. Well, it's because the Holy Spirit's talking to you about that word, talking to you about that scripture. That's why we never tire of reading this. It's not old news. It's new news every day. Fresh revelation. Amen. Hallelujah. Just a little fun thing for you. Just, just want to encourage you, um, even just with this, uh, um, it, I just want to let you know that Pastor Stephen and I's job, are, anybody, anybody ever get hired for a job and you want to know what your job description is? Yeah. Um, our job description is to empower you to do the work of the ministry. I know that you think our job description is to do the work of the ministry. That's what a lot of people think that the pastor's job is to do. But actually, our job is to inform you of the work of the ministry and then for you to do the work of the ministry. It's a powerful thing. And so my job um, actually is not, uh, is, is sometimes people think that, people think in the, in, the, in the kingdom realm, in the God realm, in the spiritual realm, in the Christianese realm, they think that our job is more important than your job, and that's absolutely not true. Be, because our job together is what makes the kingdom run. Amen. If you have a good chef in the kitchen, if you've ever been to a restaurant and you got bad service at the restaurant, it's not because the chef did a bad job. It's because the expediters and the waitresses didn't show up to deliver the food, right? The, the, so, so our job is to deliver a message. Your job is to expedite it and deliver it to the people out there that need to know the kingdom of God. Amen. Good stuff. Hallelujah. Um, just going to continue on in the series this morning. How many in this place have ever been to Disney? Been to Disney. Raise your hand in here. How many of you love Disney? Yeah, it's fun. Did, Pastor, Stephen and I, Pastor Stephen and I have had the privilege of taking our children um, to Disney. Uh, they were quite little. Um, we had, were on staff at a church. Um, if you don't know that, we were on staff at a church in Canton, Ohio called Faith Family Church, an amazing um, church there, located right there in North Canton, Ohio. Um, our pastors, Pastor Mike and Barb Caminetti, uh, we served under that um, pastorship and their leadership for 14 years. And so while we were on staff there, they had a period of time um, where they circulated the pastors that were on staff and they got a month off um, on just like a little mini sabbatical, just some rest. And so during that time period, uh, we had lived in Ohio, but we came down here and spent some time and then we took our babies to Disney. And so we went to Disney in July. And how many of you know Florida in July is? Yeah. <laughs> could be similar to down there instead of up there <laughs> it was hot and uh, how many of you know um that when you go to disney in july it's not only hot but there are long what lines lines and so um this morning um if you're taking notes i'm gonna um teach a title today called who are you in line for who are you in line for um and so uh uh, Disney uh, has a really interesting thing because that they know that the lines are long and so they've provided um, this uh, service for people um, called single rider lines. Single rider lines. Has anybody ever seen single rider lines? Um, single rider lines are for people that want to ditch their family and experience the ride all by themselves. The single rider line. And um, it's a fast pass. It'll get you onto your experience and get off your experience while you leave all the parents with snotty-nosed children behind. And so, just teasing. Um, and I would propose to you something this morning as we're preparing our hearts to receive the word. I'm going to ask the body of Christ here today as a church, if you've taken 
the single rider line. I, I'm a little, uh, I'm just thinking to myself, and maybe you can too yourself, think about, am I a person who's willing to bypass the body of Christ, to bypass the people to my right and to my left, in front of me and behind me, because I'm a little bit more concerned with what I need I'm a little more concerned with my healing, with my deliverance, with my increase, with the things that I need, that I am willing to shove them down and take the single rider line because I want what I want and I want it now. Single rider line. And so if you find through this thing that I have the single rider line, all you have to do is trade it in and get in line with the rest of the folks. So no single rider. And it's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. Something Something so crazy is going to happen next Friday. Next Friday is Black Friday. I don't actually know why I got that name, Black Friday. But there will be people waiting in all kinds of lines. All kinds of lines. For items that you don't even want to purchase, you will be waiting in those lines. Um, you, some people around this country, will leave their turkey early with their ads in their hands, with their highlighted magazines that their children have scanned over and circled things. When I was a kid, we used to have, anybody remember the Sears robot catalog? Oh, friends are in the house. I feel like it was that thick back in our day. And the Sears robot catalog would come to the house and we would circle every and not only would you circle the item you would circle the page that the item was on and your parents would go how do i know that they go because we were those parents that would wait in line for items like barbie houses with millions of pieces we wait in lines at macarthur center for children <laughs> to see a man that is dressed up that they gets credit for your hard-earned money we wait in all kinds of lines and we do it with joy in our heart because we know the outcome and the line changes perspective when you decide who you're standing in line for it doesn't seem all that troublesome when you know christmas morning is coming it's a line worth waiting in. Amen. So this morning, I'm going to ask you the question again. Who are you standing in line for? And if you don't like the line, have you forgotten why you're standing in the line? See, the reality of it is, is the people that we are going to grab along the way they don't have the ability because they don't have the knowledge. They don't have the wisdom or the understanding of who Christ is in their life. So they don't understand while they're standing in the line. See, they can't see the promises of God that are yes and amen in their life. They don't have a realization of the desires that he has for them, the plans that he has made for them. But you know why you're standing in the line. Who are you in line for? So the first question, I'm going to give you three steps today about a line. One is, start a line. Start a line. Now, I don't know um, 
how many of you in this room have an ongoing dilemma in your home? But in the Westgood home, we have an ongoing dilemma, and it's about who will go into the grocery store. Does anybody in this room like to grocery shop? Who doesn't like to grocery shop? Yeah. And I have discovered why it is that we do not like to grocery shop in the Outer Banks. Because you and the Outer Banks cannot just go to the grocery store and get milk. Because when you go to the grocery store to get milk, it turns into a family reunion. You went in for milk and you came out with so much more. <laughs> we have this little thing where we pull into the grocery store and we so pleasantly look at each other. And we think, who will be the daring one that will go into the grocery store? Now, Pastor Stephen said, I need to fix this a little bit. We do love people and we do love <laughs> talking to people. But you know, some days you just want to go in and get the milk. Because <laughs> typically at the Westgate house, we don't eat dinner till about 10 o'clock at night. So at 8 o'clock at night, you've spoken all your words. <laughs> and so we go into the grocery store. And sometimes I do this little stunt, typically on days like Sundays. On days like Sundays, as we conveniently cross over the bridge and make our way into Manio, I put my chair on tilt and I relax back and I so conveniently close my eyes. So that as we roll into the foodorama, I am by then snoring and sound asleep, and I do not have to go into the foodorama to get the milk. And every grocery shopper that doesn't like it say amen. 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 Just teasing. But there's a beautiful thing that happens sometimes. The next couple days, the grocery store is going to get a little crowded. Because everybody's preparing for Thanksgiving. And in the summer, it gets super crowded, especially on Saturdays and Sundays when we've done lost our mind and decided to go to the grocery store because we forgot something that we did, should have got on Thursday when the grocery store lines weren't crazy, but now we've waited till Saturday and Sunday and we have to wait in line. And so the next, I don't know about you, but we get in line at the grocery stores and we wait in line. And if they're long lines... Because you're a Christian and people have seen you at Coastal Family Church before. Or you've rolled up with a fish sticker on your car and you've said that you're a Christian. Or they've seen you somewhere in the Christianese community. In the long line, you smile. And you just act like it's pleasant. All the while, you're tapping your feet thinking, I just want to get the milk and go home. And if you're anything like me, while you're standing in line... I'm scanning all the while, thinking, I know that there's a register that's about to open. I know aisles two, three, four, and five, we got long lines. But I know that there's some grocery store workers. I went into a store the other day, I have to tell you the funniest thing. I went to a store, and I can say what it is. And I went in, and I purchased my item, or I got my items, I went up to the counter, and I scanned around. There was nobody to be found. <laughs> I was like, does anyone work here today? <laughs> would, anyone would anyone like to serve? Do you know that's a funny thing? That most of the body of Christ is in the back of the store when the customers are at the front of the store. They need to be waited on and taken care of and you're too busy taking care of your own stuff to forget that there's people that need taken care of. 
Sometimes we're too consumed with our own needs that we forgot there's waiting people to check out. And so we're in the line and we're thinking, I know just about as soon as I get in line, somebody is going to get on that little speaker thing that they get on. And they're going to say, we need assistance up here. And some brave worker that was hiding out in the stock room, eating her lunch or eating his lunch, they're going to come up and they're going to say these famous words. Aisle one is now open. <laughs> and people like me who've been waiting, who've been strategically watching how this is going to happen, they're going to scoot so quickly and swiftly like a panther in disguise <laughs> and get over into the line and be the first customer in and the first customer out while all you others are waiting in line. Just saying. And I'm wondering if the body of Christ is like that. We have some long lines sometimes in the body of Christ. There's some things sometimes in these four walls that don't always go like you want them to go. Sometimes things don't happen fast enough. Sometimes we think there's too many people in the, there's too many babies in the nursery. Who's going to fix this problem? And, and, and we don't have enough of this. And so we got to fix this and we need people to help us do that. And how are we going to fund this? And you're in the line. And while you're in the line, you're tapping your foot and a little bit of an irritation about how the line's going. But I want to let you know, if you don't know this already, you know how to work the cash register and you know how to bag groceries. So get out of the line and start a new line. Start a line. Because the people that need help behind you, they don't know how to start a line. But you, my friend, know how to start a line. So start a line. Number two. Once you start a line, stay in a line. You know, uh, if you've ever had a two, three, or four-year-old a lot of times they want to get in line for things. And they're eagerly tugging at your hand saying, come on, I want to get in that line, I want to get in that line. And they're content for about 15 minutes. And then 15 to 20 minutes into that line, they don't want to stay in that line anymore. I'm going to tell you why they don't want to stand in that line anymore. Because this is the perspective of a two, three, or four-year-old right here. And all they can see are heinies. All they can see, listen, all they can see are heinies and heads of other little children that want to get to the line. See, they don't have the ability because they're at this level. They don't have the ability that you have because you have height on you to know that if you just hold on for a few more minutes, listen to me, we're almost at the end of the line. And because when you bring people and you start a line, and you bring people along with you to be in that line that need help, that need comforting, that need Jesus, that need a savior. And you bring them in the line and there are things in their life that they're believing God for. And they're getting a little antsy in the line because they don't know, have yet a revelation. If you're not careful, they'll want to get out of the line and you'll get impatient and get out of the line with them. But if you just hang tight and say, oh no, no baby, you ain't got to pee right now. You just hold it for a few more seconds because we're almost there. A mama's going to take you potty in just a few more minutes. We're going we're gonna to take care of that in just a few. But listen to me. Do not get out of the line. 
Stay committed. Stay faithful. Stay tithing. Stay serving. Listen to me. Start a line. If there's something that's missing, start the line. And once you start the line, get people in the line with you. But then stay in the line. Stay in the line. And just so you know, every line has these subtle people called line jumpers. If you're skilled, you can be a good one, a line jumper. This is how it rolls. You're having the family reunion at the food lion. The line's long. You only got three or four items, so you've just got a cart, a little thing. You conveniently have a conversation with someone who's got a big cart, and then they say, do you want to go in front of me? And you say, oh, me? Oh! And they say, yes, you. You only have a few. Oh, you want me to be a line jumper? I would love to be a line jumper. I'm going to tell you in the word today about a line jumper. Turn with me, if you will, in the word. I'm going to be reading out of the New Living into Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. Jesus is making his way and touching lives and changing people. And there are mass amounts of people that know him. In Mark chapter 5, I'm going to start in verse 21. And I'm going to read, sorry. And, And Jesus, I'm sorry, Jesus got into the boat again. And went back to the other side of the lake. I'm just painting a picture for you real quick. At this point, lots and lots of people are following Jesus. He's, and uh, the few verses before that, he's just delivered a man that was demon-possessed. People are aware of him. He, people are starting to throng him and come around him. And Jesus got in the boat again and went to the, back to the other side of the lake. And when, I'm sorry, where a large crowd had gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her and heal her so she can live again. So she can live. Now, if you've ever come in contact with a parent, parents are crazy. They will do anything for their children. And what I can from gather from my assumption or just maybe my imagine, sheer imagination, I, I, I feel like Jairus, the crowds, it says the crowds were around him. They were thronging him. They were following him. And I feel like Jairus probably showed up on the scene. Jesus got out of the boat. And I feel like there was probably a line. And I, I feel like he was thinking, you know what? I'm going to throw my leverage around. I'm a leader in the synagogue and I'm getting to the front of this line because guess what? My daughter is sick and dying and I'm making sure that I get to the master. And I don't know about you, but there's pretty much not anything we won't do for our children. I, I, I can remember a, a period of time in our life. Mackenzie was probably six months old. And uh, we uh, had a flight booked the next day with our ministry staff back in Ohio. We were going on our way to a Brother Hagen meeting. Uh, I think, uh, I feel like it was in Chicago. And, um, and Kenzie came down with the fever. 
And so as new parents, you're kind of placed in that situation where you're like, do I go? Do I not go? Do I go? Do I not go? And my parents lived close to us. So we knew that if, even if we went, that she would be in good hands. But so you want to do the parental thing. You know, you want to make sure you're doing the right thing. So it was in the evening and the doctor's offices were closed and we're thinking, I don't, we don't know what to do. And so I remember um, that, we, that a, a, a pediatric physician, we, thank you, baby, that, we, that a pediatric physician um, lived in our neighborhood. Now, here's an interesting thing. We lived, um, there, there was a, we lived on the bad side of the tracks and he lived on the good side of the tracks. You know, have you ever been in those neighborhoods where there's like one good street and then one, just a street over, it's the bad street? We were kind of like the bad street, like ghetto kind of, but he lived on the good side. And so behind us is where he lived. And so I said, um, um, babe, I think this doctor lives, lives um, behind us. And so Pastor Stephen jumped the fence. He said, I- I'm going to go to his house. I said, yeah, that's a really good idea. And so it was like nine o'clock at night. And you're thinking, I don't care. I don't care what you, listen, our kid's not feeling good. And we got to get on a plane tomorrow. And we, we need some answers. And so Pastor Stephen, we didn't even know, went and knocked on his door. I remember he had two big standard poodles. And he said, hey, hey, doctor, whatever, could you come over to our house? And can you check out my daughter? Don't you know that man came over to our house? He came right on over. I can just remember feeling all kinds of insecure, you know, and him walking in our house and him picking up Mackenzie, checking her on over. He said, oh, she's fine. She'll be good to go. We went on the trip. But I'm just telling you, when you, when the enemy messes with your kids, you'll do just about anything to get them taken care of. And this is where Jairus is. In verse 24, and Jesus went with him and all the people followed, crowding around him. In verse 25, say line jumper. The line jumper shows up. A woman in the crowd that had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding She had suffered a great deal from many doctors and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. And in verse 27, and she had heard about Jesus and so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe for she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. And verse 29 And immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. And verse 30, and Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched me? Now I'm just telling you, I just can feel this picture like... Jesus said, J.R. got to Jesus. He said, listen, my daughter's sick. She's about to die. I need you to get to my house. Jesus said, yes. And they're on their way. And they're making some pace. And he, he we're like, ain't no time for Starbucks. Ain't no time for, we're not stopping right now. And then Jesus stops in his tracks. And I don't know if you're like me, but I'm thinking, Jesus, now is not the time. We got something that we need to be taken care of. I've been waiting in line. It's my turn. And this woman had the audacity to stop Jesus in his tracks. She had enough faith to say, if I can just touch his garment. And Jesus stopped and responded to him, to her. Jesus said, who touched my robe? In 31, his disciples said unto him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? 
but he kept on looking around. Just go with me. Can you not imagine like Jesus just, uh, just like looking around? I, I, I don't know that Jairus had a watch, but he was probably thinking, oh, come on, today is not the day to be nice. This is not her day. This is my day. But he kept looking around to see who had done it. And the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened, came and fell at her knees and in front of him, told him, I just bet J.R. was just like, are you kidding me, lady? We are talking about my kid. I do not care what is wrong with you. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace, your suffering's over. Say line jumper. In 35. And while he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, and they told him, your daughter is dead. There is no use in troubling the teacher now. You have got to be kidding me. You stopped and took care of her. And while you were taking care of her, in the meantime, my daughter's now dead. And I don't know how many of us, we think we've been standing in line. And somebody is coming up and they're line jumping and they're getting our blessing. They're getting what we think is our healing. In verse 36, but Jesus, what? <laughs> but Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith. And I am wondering, if you don't know the end of the story, I'm going to tell it, Jairus' daughter came back to life. And I am a little concerned that the body of Christ is so sidetracked by what everybody else is getting that they're so consumed with the thing that they think somebody else got a bigger raise or they think somebody else got a better spouse or they think somebody else got a better job or they think somebody else got a quicker healing or they think something else has happened in their life way better than it's happened to theirs and they're so distracted by what everybody else is getting that they're losing faith for the very own thing that God has in store for them. If he would have been consumed, if he would have listened to the report that the man brought from him from his house, he would have said, oh, well, I'm done. I'm just going on home. My daughter's dead, but that woman got healed and sold my blessing. But he turned around and grabbed a hold of the promises of God that he had for his life. Number one, start a line. Number two, stay in your line. And number three, cross the line. Cross the line. Back in April of 2015, 
I had the privilege of getting to know uh, what's become a dear friend of mine. Her name is Holly Baxter. Um, and uh, I met Holly. Actually, we went to boot camp. Uh, it was back in Manio, and we went to boot camp. And one day, she just kind of came in with her husband. You know how sometimes you just meet people, and you have an instant? There's just, like, they don't say words, and you don't say words. They just smile, and you smile, and just something's like, connects. And that's called a divine appointment from God. We have those. We're supposed to have those. People, God draws us from people to people. And so we just had one of those, and we didn't exchange phone numbers. We didn't even hang out. I can actually remember inviting her to that Easter service that spring, and she didn't even come, I don't think. Um, But if you know anything about me, I'm a little tenacious. Um, I don't give up quite so easy. And so um, we began to kind of form a relationship and just talk, and I would invite her. And, um, and so one day, uh, I had just run my first half marathon, um, when I was 40 and, um, I had overheard Holly say that she wanted to run a half marathon for her 30th birthday, but that she couldn't do it. And, um, if you know anything about me, if you say that you can't do something, then we will be doing it. Um, because I believe that we can do anything, um, that God has for us. And so, um, Holly and I um, began this adventure together. Actually, Kenzie was with us. And um, if you train for a half marathon, it takes about 12 weeks. And you spend about three days a week together. Um, you do a lot less talking because you're trying to breathe. Um, but you get to spend about three days a week together, about 12, day, about 12 weeks. And so we began this journey. And so when we started off, we, we, it wasn't like she was coming to church. It wasn't really any of those kind of things. Um, we just, she started asking questions, sharing her life. I started sharing our life. Eventually, she started coming to church. She came to church and then got saved. Her husband came to church and he got saved. And not only were they coming on Sundays, they started coming on Wednesdays when we had our Wednesday evening services. And honestly, right before our very eyes, it's the truth, her, her life just started opening up. Um, God was just all over it. it. It was really the most awesome experience. If you've ever discipled anyone into Christ and you've just walked the journey with them, it is the most rewarding thing you will ever do in your life. And... Um, so uh, last year, Holly's husband um, got a job transfer to New Bern. And so uh, they moved to New Bern. And so we have been talking on and off. And a couple, uh, I'd say about two months ago, she texted me and she said, hey, Tiff, I'm pregnant. And I was like, oh, Holly, that's great. And, um, and so she came into town. Uh, she texted me, I think it was last Sunday, and said, hey, I'm in town just for 24 hours, but could we have coffee? And I said, oh, I'd love to. So we met at Kara's Coffee Shop last Monday morning and just spent some time having coffee. And she said, uh, I said, so I'm so excited about your baby. And she said, yeah. And she started telling me the story. And um, they couldn't get pregnant. And um, she said, um, they had been trying and trying and trying and nothing. And so she said, we kind of come to the end of the rope where the doctors wanted to do some other things. And she said, I just had a check in my heart. Not that that's for anybody else, but just this was her own personal spot. She said, I knew that God could do it knew that God could do it. And um, she said, I just took it to prayer. And so uh, she got pregnant. And, uh, 
And she was telling me about how her church is and how much they love the church and how God's been opening some doors and a business venture that she wants to go in, the direction that her heart's taken her. She's a nurse and she really feels like God just wants to use that gift of caring and nurturing people in some other avenues. And God's just been opening up all kinds of doors. And she said, you know, the funny thing is, is she said, I'm, I'm getting it, but Chris is getting it too. She said, Chris is getting it so much that, um, she said, he has a brother who's lost, who's really confused. And she said, he's going to invite him to live with us. I'm like, oh, that's really getting it. I just want to tell you something. You might cross the line, but it's not any fun crossing the line by yourself. I know this from experience. Last week, I ran my fourth half marathon. And I did eight of the miles by myself because I was a little slower than everybody else. And it was the funniest thing. If you could just see me. Um, I'll try to be friends with a doorknob. I'd run by people and be like, hey. Because, you know, all my people were fast, so they left me. So you're just trying to find somebody to, like, have a conversation with to make the hours pass, you know? And so I'm like running up next to me, hi, my name's Tiffany. What's your name? What do you do for a living? (laughs) I met like five people along the way. Either they were faster or I was faster, so we just kept meeting new people. But I can tell you this from experience. That crossing that finish line with somebody besides you is so different than crossing the finish line by yourself in the natural and in the spiritual. And I'm going to read you a scripture as we close out today. And you might say to me, Pastor Tiffany, why are you crying? I'm crying because I want you to let you know There is no invite fairy dust. People aren't going to show up to church because they wake up and they think, that sounds like a really good idea today. They're not. uh, 1% of people probably show up for church that way. 99% of people show up and come to a place to be loved on, delivered, to know God, to find freedom to discover their purpose and make a difference because you invited them. And Jesus in his word says he was moved with compassion and because he was moved with compassion, he did something about it. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, out of the mirror Bible, thanks Kenzie, I love this Bible. It'll be up there, you can read it along with me. I'm going to read you two verses. Verse, chapter 9, verse 19. And so in a sense, I'm free from everyone's expectations or management. Yet I have voluntarily enslaved myself to all people. This beats any other motivation to influence people. And verse 22. I am so persuaded, I love this part, about every person's inclusion in Christ 
that I desire to be everything I need to be in order to win everyone's understanding of their union with Christ. I do not present myself as super strong to the weak, but I rather expose myself to their weaknesses in order to win them. I do not distance myself from anyone. My mission is to be exactly what is required of me in every possible situation. To bring salvation to every kind of person. In all reality, you've already crossed the line if you're saved. But there are other people who need to cross the line. And they're probably not going to cross the line unless you go get them. I'm even amazed as I've been preparing and reading. Even Jesus went and picked his disciples. It wasn't like they turned in a resume. There was no lineup. He went and picked and he didn't even pick from the good crop. He picked from the people that they thought were no good and couldn't do anything. He went and got them. And if you read all through the word, it says over and over and over again that people brought people unto Jesus. They're not going to come all by themselves. And you get the privilege to be all things to every person so that they might have inclusion in Christ so that you can start a line and stay in a line cross the line with someone 